amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to the UFC Vegas number eight DFS strategy show right here on awesomeo.com. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Floyd. How you doing on this Thursday evening, Pete, man? What's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, another card, another week, another card, bro. If people knew what was the uh the other side of the show here, but why we're laughing, you'd probably get a little, little uh, laugh out of it. But uh, but we are here to talk about UFC Vegas number eight. Uh, boy, we coming off last week's card. It can't get any worse than that. I mean, I, I have been covering this sport for 12 years, 11 years, something like that. I don't think I have ever seen on a UFC fight card the three biggest betting underdogs all win. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you what I say every week and uh, that the odds don't step into the cage with, with each of the fighters. So, you know, anything can happen. It takes one shot. You saw that in the Valaya fight was dominating. And Trevin Jones, second round, lands one good shot after arguably being stopped in the first and wins. Um, you know, that's just MMA, bro. That's that's the sport of fighting, and it's the most unpredictable thing and the hardest to bet. I think that is the biggest, you know, I know we talked about in our podcast earlier on this week of, to me, I think one of the storylines of 2020 in terms of, of mixed martial arts is, I don't know why it is, but referees are letting fights go on a lot longer than they used to. I mean, look, you could make the case that uh, the Valiev should have, you know, won his fight via stoppage in the first round. You know, um, the referee allows Trevin Jones to stay in the fight. You look at the Daniel Rodriguez and Dwight Grant fight. I mean, Dwight Grant's, you know, land down punches where I, I think a lot of there is a good amount of referees that would have stopped that fight. It does not. And I mean, he just basically punched himself out. Uh, so we've already had one change on this card. Austin Springer now is going to take on Alex Cesarius. So, so I did my podcast on Tuesday afternoon and uh, my regular podcast. And I said to, to my co-host Daniel, I said, all right, over under one and a half fighters we see changes on this fight card we've already had one yeah I, I, I that's the one thing when we do this show every thursday i feel like there is a good chance a fighter we break down tonight will not fight on saturday night yeah that's why you guys have to check us out on saturday for live before lock um you know after the weigh-ins we can really see things a little bit clearer um also 
read some body language and see if somebody had a bad cut. Also, you know, some fighters could miss weight or drop out due to medical issues. We saw that last week with Takashi Sato. So you never know with the sport of MMA. It's, it's always something. Bro, it's always it, like this sport. You just never know, man. You just, you just, man, you just never know what's going to go on. Uh, I guess the, the big thing we got to mention about Saturday's fight car with the main event of Anthony Smith and Alexander Rakic, this is a three round fight. This is not a five round fight. Uh, so when you're thinking about building your lineups for this fight card, I think that is something you got to think of, of whether or not you are going to, uh, whether you're going to take the value play uh, of Anthony Smith in this fight or whether you're going to pay up to take uh, Alexander Rakic, which I know my partner over here, Pete, uh, he is definitely team Rakic in this one. Yeah, I'm a Rakic believer, man. And, uh, you know, it's not so much of what I saw in Anthony Smith's last performance, which definitely doesn't help things. It's just what I see from, you know, Rakic. And it's excellent striking, just overall good game. I feel like he's on the way up in the division and, you know, arguably, arguably won his last fight. But uh, Anthony Smith went in there against Glover Teixeira and got beat really badly and, you know, took so much damage in that fight, was talking about losing his veneers and losing teeth in the fight, which is crazy. Um, the corner should have stopped that fight. And now he's back, what, three months later to fight one of the biggest up-and-comers in the division in Rakic. I just think it's not a good idea to hop back in a fight so soon and, you know, after taking so much damage. Um, I know, I understand that you want to get in there and, you know, wipe away recent memory and try to go in there and impress people and, uh, you know, start climbing up that division. But it's a very tough test against Rakic. Let me ask you this. Three months ago, it is Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakic instead of Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Is Alexander Rakic nearly a three to one betting favorite? Probably not. Probably not. It's it's you know the the betting lines are definitely based on how Anthony Smith performed in his last fight. One hundred percent. I like the comment that Lee put here uh, in, in YouTube. And by the way, if you have any questions, comments, hit him up on YouTube. Uh, if you're on the premium Slack account, hit him up there. We'll, we'll get to you as go on. And as I always say in, in Slack, if you uh, best, one of the great ways to make sure I definitely see it is, uh, is at me on, on Slack and uh, we'll definitely get to your question. But uh, Lee brings up the pricing for Rackage on FanDuel at $23. That to me is a huge price you got to pay. And Lee's comment was, I like Rackage, but $23 on FanDuel is ridiculous. I agree. I think 23 is insane. Um, I like him so much better on DraftKings at 8,700. I think it's, you know, I'm all about mid value and I think that's upper echelon mid value, but you know, I expected Rackage to be in the 9,000 range and, um, I think the DraftKings salary is just showing some respect to Anthony Smith, who was doing really well in the division um, and then was just completely dominated by Glover Teixeira. So uh, 8,700, I think, is a very nice value for Rakic. Um, if you think that Smith has a chance at 7,500, the value is definitely there. Yeah, I, I look at Anthony Smith, and I think definitely he's a value player. And I think we'll kind of talk about this as we go throughout this show is when you look at because we have you know multiple fighters who are two and a half to one three to one betting underdogs is if your mindset is you know 
I'm trying to find four favorites with two underdogs. You're going to have to look at an Anthony Smith, a, a Robbie Lawler, you know, uh, maybe Ian Kutalaba in some cases. But let me ask you in terms of Rackage, I know how much you, you like him in this spot, but is he a better cash play than GPP play? Mm, it's tough to say, though, because um, Smith did take a ton of damage. So you wonder how affected he is from that still. You won't know until he gets cracked from Rakic. Um, Smith is arguably one of Rakic's toughest fights, if not his toughest yet. I I think it might be, and I, I think it's fair to say that. So does a finish happen here, Jason? Big guys throwing tons of tons of power at each other. Um, I think, it, it, you know, Rakic at 8,700 doesn't really necessarily have to get an early finish to pay off that salary. I, I think that he can do enough in a decision to, to get it done. To me, this is the thing about Alexander Rakish is this is kind of, this is that, that, that test to find out, is he a top contender? I mean, he's, he's had that natural progression as he's worked his way up. And, and I mean, look, how does Anthony Smith bounce back? I, I think that for a lot of people, yes, we're going to look at, his last fight and say, man, it, it just, it was a really bad night for Anthony Smith. How does he bounce back from that? Like from your perspective as a fighter, when you have a matchup where you get dominated and just, you know, beaten up as badly as Anthony Smith was like, how, how do you bounce back from that? Is it more of a mental than a physical thing? Uh, definitely mental. Um, Anthony Smith, uh, could lose some confidence from that. And I know that he may sound good in interviews right now, but it's another thing when you're walking out to the cage and then the pressure's on and you have somebody reminding you of your last performance. So Anthony Smith, um, he's going to have to have a gut check when he goes out there and you don't necessarily know how somebody's going to respond, but I'm not a fan of backing a guy who just got absolutely dominated, um, you know, against Glover to Smith looked really, really good early on. And he had that James Krause, esque type of style where it's more volume and maybe he ended up you know fatiguing and that's what led to Glover Teixeira starting to land bigger shots and uppercuts and ground and pound from hell so maybe that's what led to the demise in that fight but for me just based on you know I don't want to hold too much weight on what I saw because recency bias can affect your you know your judgment big time but I didn't like Smith's um I don't know. His confidence seemed shattered the more that he got cracked. And um, I feel like he was asking his corner to stop it, even though after the fight, he, he mentioned that he you know wanted to go out in a shield. I think that it's going to take a lot for Smith to go on there and get rid of Rakic, who is an up and comer. How does Anthony Smith get the job done? I mean, even though I know you've mentioned about how much you like yeah. Rakic, let's yeah. kind of give the other side of the story of, of what does Anthony Smith got to do to get the win? Because, I mean, look, obviously there's going to be a lot of people, whether they're watching us live, watching us after fact, or, or listening on the podcast channels, that might be looking at a value play of Anthony Smith and saying, Pete, how does he get the job done? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be playing some Anthony Smith as well. I mean, the more lineups you play, the more exposure you have to have to certain fighters. And Anthony Smith is one of those guys that could go in there and get you a huge W because he just needs to land one shot or he can start – implementing his wrestling because he does have an underrated ground game. He just doesn't necessarily go to that well too often because he likes to strike. Uh, I think in this matchup, um, Smith should look to take it down uh, or make it ugly against the cage and some clinch fighting. And um, 
start to try to get on top position for Rakic because if he tries to play a you know a striking battle with Rakic, I, I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, Mike, appreciate you hitting us up in the super chat. Says uh, Jason didn't mean to cut you during your NBA segment, but I'm not sure what he meant by that. By the way. Uh, but I could wait to see your reaction about dot dot. I'm guessing he meant Dobson, not Dotson. Uh, would you guys target for who would you guys target for MVP? Maybe a female fighter. Uh, yeah, Mike, I'm not sure exactly what uh, what was said. NBA is that there's so, sometimes there is so many chats going on in the NBA when I'm doing those NBA live for lock that I, I don't see them all in terms of uh, MVP and the female fights in this fight. We'll talk about Piala Viana later on. That might be a, p- a potential sneaky MVP. I, I don't, you know, Grosso now at one twenty-five. Um, you know, she's uh, you, you got to pay up for her. Um, you know, eighteen dollars on Fanduel. Um, Martin and Ciphers, not a confident. I, you know, it, it would be it to me is take Mallory Martin or move on. Yeah, I think Mallory Martin is going to be pretty popular um, based on what happens if a fighter gets top position on Hannah Cyphers. We've seen Hannah Cyphers submitted. We've also seen her ground and pounded. Um, I don't hate Hannah Cyphers as a value play. We'll get to it, though. But uh, I actually would agree with you that Poliana Diana is probably, of all the female fighters this card, probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of like what you said, Pete. I mean, I, I'm going to have a good amount of shares of both. I mean, you know, you know, for, you know, that's why I use fantasy cruncher a lot, you know, kind of, I do, I would say this, a lot of my MMA lineups are hand built. Yeah. But when I'm looking to build 150 lineups, I'm using fantasy cruncher and, and I'm sitting there and saying, this is the amount of exposure I want to have to this fighter, that fighter. And, and when you really know how to use fantasy cruncher, it can really help you build those lineups. Like if you're if you're an Osmo Plus member, you got Fantasy Cruncher. It's it's a great tool to use. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite. Uh, deselect some people. Unfortunately, I deselected uh, Shauna Dobson last week, and you know the biggest favorite. You know, bigger than uh, you know GSP losing to Matt Serra is pretty crazy. It was uh, it's just crazy. You know that stuff happens, but you know in the long run, that'll end up working out for you. This is why I love our listeners. Right after Valiev loses, someone tweets me and goes, Jason, that's why you don't play the first fight. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I also remember that somebody said, and I think it was Joe, that if Agapaba lost, that he'd have to shave his head. So, Joe, if you're out there, I hope you're hiding. So, uh, because I want you to keep your hair, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Oof. I could, I, I, bro, I could not do the bald head. I could not do it. Yeah, no, I did it. Could not I did do it, it early, but not for yeah, me. You, you were going with that quarantine haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that is definitely uh, not to me. Uh, Hunter says, pick the winner of each fight. We will do that at the end of the show. After we get done breaking down all these fights, we'll, we'll give you our, uh, our straight up picks um in terms of this fight a co-main event we got neil magny taking on robbie law of course initially this was supposed to be jeff neil jeff neil i think everyone pretty much knows that the medical issues that uh, he has been dealing with and send the healing vibes his way robbie lawler steps in this equation neil magny 8600 on dk 7600 uh for the former ufc welterweight champion this is one of the things that really stuck out to me when i was looking at robbie lawler you realize it has 
2013 was the last time Robbie Lawler won by a knockout in the first round? Um, in the first round? Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Josh Koscheck, that's insane. Um, you know, and I think Robbie Lawler is another play in the 7K range that you can definitely look at. But I don't believe he pulls it. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com off in this match against uh neil magny i mean he has a significant reach disadvantage a six inch reach disadvantage um you know a big height disadvantage as well um and waller hasn't really looked too great in his previous fights i mean you, you think about the ben Askren fight okay we can not even really think about that because that's a that's a weird matchup that's a weird fight um the colby covington the rafael dos años the tyron woodley and then the the one shining moment was against Donald Cerrone in that decision fight. So for me, I mean, it's been a rough patch for Robbie Lawler. And it's how far has he really fallen? Uh, the guy has a 13 and eight record in the UFC and obviously was the former champion. So he's going to hold some, some ownership based on um, his resume, but this is a very tough fight for a very, you know, going up against a very long Neil Magny. That's my thing with Neil Magny. It's got to be stick and move, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the small cage is going to be tough to do so, but um, Neil Magny's very good at distance management and keeping fighters away from him, using his jab to, you know, his advantage and just keeping people at the end of his punches. Um, he's a volume guy, not a power guy, but the volume can accumulate and end up, you know, stopping fights or making people's confidence just shatter. So, um, Robbie Lawler needs to obviously get inside and, you know, get close the distance with some big hooks. He has the power to change the fight at any moment. Now, as far as punt plays 7,600, I like Lawler more than I like Anthony Smith. I like Lawler more on FanDuel than I do DraftKings. Yeah. So, so on FanDuel at $14, he's, he's a big, big, um, salary relief over there and uh the value is crazy but he is 38 he has taken a ton of shots in the past and we have seen robbie lawler stopped in the past too so maybe neil magny stranger things have happened and neil magny doesn't have the best finish rate at 43 percent. but i mean it only takes one shot he could land I mean, and speaking of magny he could just land a lot of significant strikes with this fight standing on the feet to where even with a decision win he might still rack up a good score and and who knows maybe he could end up being you know kind of a a, a uh, well i just looked at our ownership projections he's the fourth highest owner fighter right now which magny? is uh yeah magny number 4 i think i mean I'm I'm pretty sure you can guess who number one, number two are. I don't think you'll guess who number three is. Yeah. Um I have no idea at this at this moment, but I do know that mid value this week is really juicy. Like really juicy. Like Magni going up against a guy who's been struggling lately. Rakic going up against a guy who just got like destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Uh both under nine K, sign me up. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, you you've got some high nine price options this week. Um, you know, I mean, the question I think if if you want to be a Robbie Lawler backer in this one, Pete, this guy's your hope has got to be is that, you know, he is going to get Neil to exchange with him for you know, and and keep him in in that close range, and and this is kind of like if Robbie Lawler is going to ever make another run at the hundred seventy pound title. He's got to get a win here because if he doesn't, you can't, you know, you just, you just can't see it, it happening for him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a small cage, so Lawler should be able to get closer to Magny, but let's not discredit Magny's ground game. I mean, he does rely on getting takedowns and ground and pound and just having good position and the volume with good position leads to stoppages. So, um, I know Lawler has great takedown defense and at one time was stuffing shots from everybody. Um, you think about his reign in the 170 pound division, but that was quite some time ago, Jason. So I'm going to kind of ride the momentum and, uh, you know, stick with Magni on this one. Of course, if you want to see what the ownership projections are right now, all you got to do is go to awesome.com forward slash join and sign up for awesome plus MMA weekly pass for eight ninety five. That'll get you our fire projections, ownership projections, and the top fighters tool. Those are tools that uh, we use every week, putting together our lineups. You know, I was that top fire tool that Alex puts together is a great tool that you got to have. So be sure to sign up for an awesome plus MMA weekly pass today. All you got to do is go to awesome.com forward slash join. Also got to let you know about a promo we got going on to get an awesome plus NFL annual pass sign up today for an annual pass for 30% off when you use the promo code roger at checkout you can get all of our player projections ownership projections premium content and so much more we all know that uh, the season's right around the corner so be sure to use that promo code roger and our season-long fantasy football best ball draft kit you will get for free with your nfl annual pass so be sure to head up right now over awesomeo.com. I know Joey's been putting it up there right in the chat so you can see that as well. Moving on, we got a female fight. Alexa Grosso, big favorite this one, now at 125 pounds. Uh, what's your take on her in this spot? She should win the fight. Um, but at 9,100, I really don't like it. Um, she has looked very good in the past. Comes in with a very low finish rate of 36% against Kim at 7,100 with a finish rate of 56%. Um, you know, it should be a striking affair, I would imagine. But I feel like jumping up a weight class could make this bout a little bit closer than people realize. Uh, Grasso's kind of small for the division. Uh, she's going to have a two-inch uh, height disadvantage, but a six-inch reach uh, disadvantage, which definitely can make the difference, even if you are the more skilled fighter and you are facing somebody with longer arms. Sometimes you get hit with shots that you normally shouldn't. Um, and can make fights closer. Grosso's the A-side in this fight, Jason. But honestly, this bout wouldn't surprise me if uh, if it's like very – if it's by narrow margins. Like I, I really feel like Kim could have her moments. It's going to be a smaller cage. Obviously, Grosso has the more well-rounded game. Um, I think Kim's a stretch to get it done, but uh, not my favorite fight to target. Kim's got a, a, a sizable reach advantage in, in this one of, of six inches. I mean, how much that play into your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so that, I, I think it's that. It's also the unpredictability in the uh, the female fights as of late. Like, 
you know, you think of the most sure thing was Agapova against Dobson and we all got burned by that. And nobody had more Agapova than I did. And nobody had more Valia than I did. Like I, I literally unchecked their opponents and, uh, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. I'll tell you guys and be transparent with you. But, you know, this is a fight for me that I'm not going to target too much. It's more like a 10%, 15% of my lineups type of approach to this fight. Um, like I said, Grasso needs to overcome the size disadvantage. But if she can get in tight, you know, against Kim or just basically outbox Kim, it's her fight. It really is. In terms of, uh, I'm going to give you the number. Okay. The number is minus 405. What do you think that is? Uh, that's a fight to go to distance. And I would agree with that because I think it's going to, I don't see either one, you know, finishing the other. Um, now, however, if it is a striking fight, Jason, and it does go the distance, that line could detract some, uh, some ownership and it actually could possibly inflate their score if it's just a striking match. So have your shares of Grasso. Kim, I would very lightly sprinkle in there but uh i i think it's grasso's fight yeah so minus 405 is the over two and a half rounds grasso by tko ko plus 800 kim by tko ko plus 935 grasso by submission plus 825 kim by submission plus 1550 Crazy odds, man. Um, you know, Vegas, not, Vegas believes this fight's going the it's going the decision. Yeah, you're not always gonna have the Shauna Dobson pulling the once in every five or ten years upsets of the upsets of the decade. Um it, it, this isn't like Kim's not that bad of an underdog, but uh this fight should not end in the finish if I had to actually make a pick. Uh, Kevin says, Hey Pete, Magni and Grosso fights seem like fades to win. Seems like the winner won't even sniff the optimal only if Kim gets upset or Lawler KO early. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What's up, Kev? Um, I would agree with that saying for Grosso. Now Magni though, Magni does have potential to break slates. Um, you have to think about the way the fight's going to go, right? Magni's going to only be able to win the fight if he keeps Lawler away from him. And in order to do that, he needs to have more volume than Lawler. Um, and he needs to dance around him and keep it upright. I mean, he could take him down, but like he needs to be more active than Lawler and keep him away from him. So I really don't think that Lawler is a bad, uh, sorry, Magny's a bad play at 8,600. Yeah, that's, uh, You know, Magni could be a sneaky play. Could be, could be a sneaky play. But I mean, obviously, if you, when I first look at this card, Pete, my yeah. initial thought: lots of decisions. Yeah. Now look, I've had cards where I think there's gonna be lots of stoppages, and I'm totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Hunter's mentioning in the chat that uh, you know Magni can excel in the clinch. That's true, and he definitely can. I'm, I'm not saying that he can't do that but it's the most dangerous place for him to be. Like, let's be real. That's the most dangerous place for him to be is up close with uh, Robbie Lawler. But I do see Magby excelling in all areas. Uh, next up, we've got Ricardo Lamas taking on Bill Algeo. Of course, initially it was supposed to be Lamas against Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall pulled out of the fight uh, last week. Bill Algeo, who comes out of uh, 
the, the Jersey Philly area fighting for ring of combat. Um, ring of combat did a lot of shows in, in AC Atlantic city. I'm, I'm not sure if they've been doing shows still in Atlantic city or not, but I've had a chance to, to, to interview Bill Algia a couple of times. Obviously he's a massive underdog in this one in terms of, you know, Bill Algeo's opportunities to pull off the upset. How does he get done? That's a tough debut fight going up in there against Ricardo Lamas. I mean, Ricardo Lamas is 38, but at one time has, you know, fought some great names, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo. Um, the guy's fought a ton of people and he has a wealth of experience, UFC experience. He's 10 and six in the UFC. Uh, but Algeo's really got to go in there and just outwork Ricardo Lamas. Now, it's more of where's Ricardo Lamas at than uh, than anything I would imagine because how far how far has he dropped off? Like, is he going to go out there and look really aged? I I don't think so, Jason. I kind of like Ricardo Lamas here. The only thing I don't like is his price at ninety two hundred. I mean, the guy he's he has submission ability, he has TKO ability, um, but he's also been finished in the past and finished pretty brutally. So. I think it's Lamas's fight to win for DraftKings at 9,200. He's a little stretch, but the guy is making his debut. Algeo's tough, has fought some really good fighters, but this could be a FanDuel fight for me. But they don't have the FanDuel salaries available right yet, but I'm, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Lamas for sure. Yeah, I remember when I was putting together my sheet uh, before the show a couple hours ago at this point. Uh, they had not put up any uh, any lines on that one yet. Yeah, that is definitely a fight that will be interesting to see what they what they put Ricardo Lamas at. Um, you know, because I mean, we we talked about a little earlier that twenty three dollars on Alexander Rakic could you know it'll be interesting to see what is the ownership on Rakic on Fanduel at that price point. Because if you're going to take Alexander Rakic, you know may, maybe a Bill Algeo is going to be a type of fighter you're going to have to put in your lineup on FanDuel. Yeah, and you know, I just I don't hate Bill Algeo at all. It's just I'm not trying to back too many fighters that are making their UFC debut against a, a fighter who has 16 UFC fights coming against some of the best fighters in the world and should win this fight. Like Ricardo Lama should win this fight. If he doesn't win this fight against a guy coming in there on short notice, Jason, he could honestly be looking at his last days in the UFC. And that's just the truth. Like, I mean, where are you at right now, Ricardo? Yeah, it's, it's a fight, uh, you know, back against the wall type fight for yeah. Carl Lamas. Uh, then we got a matchup, uh, Magomed and Kalaya versus Ian Kutalabe. Of course, uh, this is a fight that was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago, but due to COVID, uh, Kutalaba unable to fight, got rebooked to here. Look, Pete, I don't know how long this fight's going to last. We've seen it once. It This fight may last 20 seconds. It may last five minutes. It may last seven minutes. I don't know if it goes more than, I don't even know if it goes more than five minutes, to be honest. <laughs> but, like, first, like, this to me is a GPP fight. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, even at, at 9,000, that does not scare me with Ankalaev. The, the, the unfortunate part is, Whoever you, if you have the loser in your lineup, it's probably going to be like a five point. But the, to me, these two guys are going to start flinging punches. You know, Kutalaba wants to get Ankalaev into a brawl. But to me, this is a fight when you're talking about fights, I believe are must roster for GPP. 
I believe you have to have the winner of this fight. Yeah. So I am going to have a ton of exposure to this fight. Like I'll increase my exposure to certain fights. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And uh, this is one of them. So Ankalaev in their first bout was lighting up Kutalaba, but it was a questionable stoppage, Jason. I mean, let's be real. Like Kutalaba was kind of what we would consider rope-a-doping, I guess, even though you're obviously in a cage. He's kind of like playing the fact that he's dazed, but he was, he was a little rocked, but I think he was playing it in. He was doing some awkward head movement to really – get Ankalaev into a firefight with him. Perhaps that's what he was doing. He was trying to play like possum a little bit to get him to open up and capitalize. Now, I think that Ankalaev should win this fight. I think that he's the more polished fighter. Ankalaev uh, should find a home for uh, a crisp strike or a head kick. Um, he has more tools. Kutalaba's very, very violent and probably has the, the edge and killer instinct. Like this guy... Kutalaba has a 93% finish rate compared to Ankalaev's 62% finish rate. Um, it's honestly who lands first. Now, how will the small cage work in this fight? I'm not sure, but if Ankalaev can't keep Kutalaba away from him, Kutalaba, you know, in the clinch can really cause some havoc and put anybody to sleep. So for me, I'll have plenty of ink live at 9,000, but like as far as 7K options, Kutalaba is one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I feel like when I put out the tweet after these fights of over of what was the optimal lineup in the big contest on, on FanDuel and on DraftKings, yeah. that the winner of this fight will be in the optimal lineup on both sides. I think so. I mean, can you imagine this going three rounds? If it goes three rounds, it might be one of the most violent fights ever. Uh, I would okay. Let me just let me just see what the over one and a half rounds is on this one. And Kevin's bringing up a great point in the chat, saying that Kutalaba at on Superdraft is one point six times. Like that is crazy. So uh, I will definitely have my exposure over there. I will tell you, I'm I'm looking at Ankalaev as a FanDuel MVP. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, especially when you talk about that big bonus for the first round stoppage. Uh, yeah. That to me is, is someone you got to look for. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you, uh, you in the super chat here. He says uh, top fights to target, top three MVP and top three underdogs. Well, top fights target. We just we just gave you one fight you got to target. Um, my, yeah, my other fight to target would be the main event. You already know. I'm going to have plenty of that. Man, the third one. 
I'd probably say the Brady Aguilera fight. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that one. Uh, top three MVPs. I would go Ankalaev. I'd throw Brady in there. Rackage. Just I so I I don't love the price on Fanduel. I just don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, in terms of our top three underdogs, um, as I kind of just look at the betting odds here, I'm going to say for me, Maki Patolo and Alex Caceres stick out to me as really good values. I will tell you, and and, well, we can move on to Patolo and, and Impa. This is one of those fights that I don't know if I'm going to roster a lot. You know, the contender series, it gives us a great way to see these fighters as they're developing. And, you know, I look at Impa and I I think that he could, you know, he's obviously someone the UFC sees some things in. You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason they put him in the spots that they put him in. Um, you know, Maki in his last fight, the way he just kind of ran into that submission and, and, and get and get tapped out. Man. I, I, first off, I, I think they're both undersized middleweights. Significantly. You know, um, I, I just, it's one of those fights that I just don't know if I'll have many shares of. I'm actually, very, think, yeah, go ahead. And I think it's more of like if I was going to play somebody, I would much more play Impa in the spot. But it's also kind of like I want to see when the bright lights are on and it's the UFC, it's not the contender series. What's he look like? Yeah, so I'm actually surprised that you're not over your boy uh, Maki Patolo because, like, every time he's fighting, you you know you like him. You you tend to flock to certain fighters, and uh, I do well, the same. You know, he 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 likes to throw them bungalows. Yeah, that's true. There but, is a reason his nickname is Coconut Bombs. Yeah, but the problem is right. I mean, this is fighting, Jason. So it's unlike anything else. But which Maki Patolo shows up? Like, um, you're facing a guy who's debuting in the UFC. He's seven and zero now. Seven and zero outside the UFC, right? Twenty nine percent finish rate. Finish rate is not good, and we have seen on a contender series where uh, where uh, Impa can take some shots and has overcome some adversity. But what happens if like the guy's just as skilled? Because I think that Batolo, you know, belongs in the UFC. He's lower end, but does belong in the UFC. He has run into a submission against Darren Stewart, who would absolutely wipe the floor with a Kasanganai. Absolutely. So we can't even compare, you know, that. But, uh, you know, Patolo's good. Like, uh, it wasn't too long ago we were taking Patolo over Darren Stewart or, or considering it, you know. Um, I know I like Stewart in that fight. but no, no, I, I, You have not brought up the most important point about Maki Patolo. What's that? Does the Maki Patolo showed up that showed up against Colin Potter? Oh, my God. I know. And that's what I'm saying. Which Maki Patolo shows up? Because goes in there, I was all over him because he looked excellent in the contender series against Justin Sumter, landed some vicious body shots, some good shots to the liver, good shots, okay? And then uh, goes in there and lays an egg against, uh, you know, Colin Potter, who had no business beating him and just beat the brakes off him in a striking match for the most part. And then – Turns around, faces Charles Bird, looks really good, goes out there. Charles Bird ends up retiring after the fight. Um, and then we're thinking that Maki Patola really found his weight class. You're like, oh, 185 is for him. 
170, maybe the cut was getting to him. Darren Stewart chokes him out in one round. Where this is a barometer test for Impa. Like, where's Impa at? Is he is he UFC ready? Because unlike Impa's other opponents, Maki's gonna bring it to him striking wise, grappling wise. Mm-hmm. Like Maki does have some good takedown defense. And he's pretty good everywhere. As long as he's not stupid and runs out there with his neck again. I think that Maki's a nut. I think Maki's in play at 7,700. And the, the finishing ability of uh, Impa Kasanganai is really blowing me away of only being 29% and he's 7 and 0. So the likelihood is he doesn't get rid of Patolo. So how does he last 15 minutes with him? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I wonder with Maki is going to be the game plan of let me put the pressure on this guy. Let, let me only just be in his face, see if I can get him on his heels in, in the fight. But, yeah, I mean, look, when we look at those under 8,000 options, if Maki Patolo wins, yeah, it's going to be a big score. But it, it's just like we have said, you know, Maki has just been so up and down in the UFC. He just, you know, when you're looking at those fighters under 8K that you trust, I just don't know where Maki Patolo fits in that category. Yeah, I wouldn't put Maki Patolo in the trust category at all. Um, he's a dash of GPP. He's a long shot that I'm that I'm circling. And I'll have my exposure, but like, you know, Impa Kasanganai does have a good game of good striking, good grappling, and the best way to get a win over Maki Patolo is to is to neutralize the threat and take him down. So. Uh, you know, Kasanganai at 8,500 is probably not my favorite pick. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does get the win, I don't know how well he scores. Um, so I'll let others dabble on his UFC debut, and then I'll I'll just have a few shares of Maki Patola, but definitely not not too many. Then we got a female matchup that we uh, briefly touched on a little earlier, Mallory Martin and Hannah Cyphers. I want to say this is Cyphers' fourth fight in 2020, third or fourth fight. She's been very active. Uh, but, uh, I mean, look, it's, uh, to me, this is, I personally, I'm just not a Hannah Cyphers backer. Um, I, I don't think I've ever backed her in a fight. <laughs> um, you know, I don't love the price on Mallory Martin at 8,900. Um, what's your take on it? If there was ever a fight for Hannah Cyphers to win, let's go back to her UFC career. Let's look at this. Macy Barber. We knew she was not going to win that one. Poliana Viana, she won a split decision. That's a that's pretty interesting. Um, Jody Escobel, she won a decision. Got TKO'd by Angela Hill, knee barred by Mackenzie Dern, and then beat the brakes off by Maria Agapova and Rene Kachoke. So, definite rough patches for her. But Mallory Martin, I feel like this could be like underestimating your opponent. Like Hannah Cyphers is definitely strong, even though she's tiny. Like, she's very strong. She does have some skills. I don't know if she's really in the consideration for, like, my money. Like, I, I don't want to put money on Hannah Cyphers. Um, but at 7,300, what have you really seen from, from Martin that, you know, she's 0-1 in the UFC. Yes, she fought Johnny Roba, who we saw go right through Felice mm-hmm. Herrick. So she's 0-1 in the UFC, and she's at 8,900 because of just Hannah Cypher. That's really it. Hannah Cyphers, you know, stretching the UFC. That's what they're basing a the odds on and the DraftKings salary is just fading Hannah Cyphers. And uh, you know, Cyphers has surprised us. And um, you know, she throws with decent volume. They both have negative ratios as far as you know, strike output and strikes absorbed. 
not my favorite fight to target. It's first fight of the night. I think I'm going to follow your rule for the, for the first time ever. But um, the is one the problem with Hannah Cyphers is if she does get taken down, Jason, she can get ground and pounded and controlled. And that's kind of, if you look at, you know, Martin's best wins outside the UFC, that's what she does. She gets top position and rains down some bombs. I do not believe it's the first fight of the night. At least when I put my sheets. Oh, I'm there. sorry. It's not. It's not. But I'm going to act like it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it is the, uh, next, the, the, a co feature of the prelims, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, the feature about the prelims is Maki and Impo. Yeah. We're going to call, it's... we're going to call it the first fight of the night. Okay. I felt better when I was saying that. Now you're going to make me feel like I have to play the check. Goodness. So now I got to really play it. Okay. Like, Oh, I, I, I'll get uh, this. Is this is on Fanduel? I much rather play Neil Magny eighteen dollars than Mallory Martin. Yeah, I mean, I know what I'm getting with Neil Magny. I mean, and if he goes out there and he loses to the legend of Robbie Lawler, I'm okay with it. Now playing Martin at eighteen dollars just because I've seen Hannah Cyphers lose quickly to some talented people. I don't know. I, I'd rather. I would consider. Let's call it like this. Hannah Cyphers is the ultimate leverage play. And the reason she's a leverage play is because nobody wants to play her. She's two and four in the UFC. She hasn't really shown too much. Um, and everybody, even Vegas, is hating on her. I mean, they have a girl who lost her UFC debut, and she's nearly a minus three fifty favorite over her. So leverage, leverage, leverage with Hannah Cyphers, but very you know, be careful. Uh, then we got uh, Alessio DiCherico taking on Zach Cummings. Uh, Zach Cummings been around the UFC for a long time. This is one of those fights that I keep kind of going back and forth on if you got a roster or not. Yeah. More based on the price point than anything else. Yeah. So. Especially mm, on FanDuel. I feel like Zach Cummings is so tough and he is so tough. They come in with similar finish rate, 74% for Zach Cummings to Kiriko at 75%. I feel like these guys are going to match up really well. It's a very even fight. Zach Cummings in the UFC is eight and four. Takiriko is three and four. Cummings has fought so many tough people, Jason, and honestly should win this fight. Like he has submission ability, good striking ability, good power. Takiriko has very good power. Um, but there's a susceptibility for him to fall behind on scorecards sometimes. Um, the, the problem with both of these guys is volume is – if they don't catch each other early, will they pay off? Uh, Eighty-four hundred. It's not like Cummings is priced up, but it's definitely not my favorite fight to target. But I do think Zach Cummings does enough to win. Of course, as we do this show, both these fighters we have under thirty percent ownership, and of course, if you want to see the ownership projections that we have. For uh, UFC Vegas number eight, you got to sign up for an Awesome Plus MMA Weekly Pass. Weekly Pass. For eight ninety five, all you gotta do is go to osmo.com forward slash join and get the uh, ownership projections, player projections, that top fighters tool, all the tools that uh, Alex himself uses, and but both myself and Pete use every week. So be sure to sign up for MMA Plus MMA Weekly Pass tonight. Go to osmo.com forward slash join. Uh, of course, we mentioned about there was already one change during fight week this week, and that was uh, uh, pulling out of the fight card. And Alex Caceres now going to take on Austin Springer. Austin Springer uh, has fought on the Ultimate Fighter, fought Tender Series. Uh, Alex Caceres will 
probably be chalk on DraftKings this week. It's my boy. I'll gladly take him at 7,400. Now, Alex, Alex Caceres does not have the best UFC record and does not have the best overall record. In the UFC, he's 11 and 10. Uh, you know him from his previous bout uh, against Austin Hooper, just absolutely putting on a great performance, um, you know, and really showing showing the, the, the young and what's up. And I don't know if I would say Springer's in that same category as Chase Hooper. So temper your expectations. I don't think that he can really go out there and absolutely dominate. But the footage that I watch on Springer, it's a little underwhelming. Like he throws, he, mm-hmm. when he throws shots, obviously he throws with ferocity, but Springer does put himself in bad positions, Jason. Like I was looking Oddly enough, Caceres was supposed to fight Giga Chikadze. Springer actually fought Giga Chikadze. So I was watching that fight on the Contender Series. And, uh, you know, if Chikadze had better jiu-jitsu, I feel like he could have caught Springer in plenty of submissions from a triangle, an armbar, or an umaplata um, at three different moments of the fight. And that's one thing Caceres does have is a surprising guard. So say Springer goes the route and wants to take him down. Caceres is a little tricky. He's tricky standing up and he's tricky on the mat. Now, you know, when you're 11 and 10 in the UFC, you've seen it all. You've seen a lot, but you've also lost a lot. So hopefully losing hasn't become a habit for him. And, uh, you know, he's back on the winning ways, beating uh, Chase Hooper. So give me, give me uh, Alex Caceres here at 7,400. I like him. FanDuel at $13 is amazing. I'll have to see what Springer's priced at for me to consider him. Um, but making his UFC debut, you know, I, I'm not too impressed with Springer, to be honest. It's going to be Chalk City, man. Chalk City. Yeah, I don't mind it, though, Jason. Like, I mean, he should do well. The problem is finishing ability. Like, let's bring this up. Uh, Alex Caceres has a 50% finish rate. Um, average time in the cage is 12 minutes and 18 seconds. So that means typically his fights go the distance, uh, not really a finish machine. But at 7,400, I'll kind of bite the bullet a little bit and definitely have my shares of them. Uh, next up, we got the female matchup between uh, Viana and Whitmire. This is Pete's favorite fight of the week, the A200, 8,000 matchup. Um, and there was uh, Charlie asked this question. He says, you guys see Whitmire go from pick them to favorite or remind you of other WMA fighters, for example, Molly McCann. I don't mind this week, the 8,000, 8,200 fight, Jason. I'm on Viana, and I really don't want any shares of Whitmire. I really don't. Um, I think that Whitmire gets caught in submissions too much. She only has a 25% finish rate, whereas Poliana Viana, you know, is one in three in the UFC, which isn't the best. But, you know, in her 10 victories, she has a 100% finish rate. So at least this chick's going for it, and she likes to hunt submissions or TKOs. Um, I think that Viana should rebound and get a get a win here over Whitmire just everything I'm seeing on film from Whitmire is a little underwhelming her striking output her takedown defense is okay but it's the submission IQ that I'm worried about and this could be an arm bar from guard type of situation but I don't care I think Poliana Viana can do it uh and she also has a five inch reach advantage in the fight so I think that's something to yeah. play play there too as well. Uh, then our first fight of the night, Sean Brady versus Christian Aguilera. Uh, Sean Brady, one of the biggest betting favorites on this card, 9,300. He's got one of the highest ownerships currently as we do this show. It's his odd matchmaking. 
we talked about this earlier. We, we talked about this on, on our podcast on Monday. Yeah. This is just really odd matchmaking. Um, this is to me, I, I feel like Sean Brady is the game plan is going to be for him to grapple. Okay. <laughs> I will say the word I typically say to grapple F. Yes. <laughs> Christian Aguilera. I think it's the path to victory and 100%. What's up, Kevin? Uh, I am not fading the first fight now. Um, my order got all mixed up. I think they keep switching it on me. Um, but I actually like Brady here a lot, despite the heavy price tag at 9,300. The takedowns are there. Um, he has knockout ability as well. Christian Aguilera, you know, will be popular because at 6,900, he is kind of like the Ian Kutalaba guy who can you know get you a knockout his previous fight was in 59 seconds over anthony ivy and he just threw absolute bombs um you know christian aguilera in his career has a 79 percent finish rate the problem with brady at 9300 if i had to bring up anything is his finish rate of only 42 percent in his 12 and 0 career so you know you don't know how the fight's going to go per se but it's going to consist of punches and if Brady Smart is takedown attempts. Now you can rack up points from takedown attempts and ground transitions and advances and so on and so forth. So I will take my chances with Brady. Um, Aguilera needs to defend takedowns, Jason. And if you go and you dive into his previous fights outside the UFC, he did struggle with getting taken down. So um, maybe he's worked on things. Maybe he's refined some techniques and has some good people in his camp. But for me, it's Brady. At 9,300, I don't mind him at all. So I called Sean Brady's fight against Colton Smith for uh, Shogun fights. And I remember going into the fight, kind of the the narrative that was around Sean Brady at the time was this was going to be the fight that got him to the UFC. And so when kind of the way the fight played out, which, I mean, he just used a, a strong grappling, you know, inside boxing, to get the win, I was kind of like, man, I just don't know if he's going to go out there and, and, and get the UFC, and it still took him a little more time to get in the UFC. I mean, look, I believe he's the right play. I probably like him a little more on FanDuel than I do DraftKings just because of, you know, can he get the finish? You know, I mean, like, if I said you got to play Sean Bray or Alexander Rakic, who do you feel more comfortable on FanDuel playing? Brady. Um. The $3 can be a big difference. It is a big difference on FanDuel. I mean, I'm not a big fan over there, uh, but it's tough to construct lineups if you're trying to pay at the top. And, uh, you know, you bring up a great point with Brady. Um, I do know that CFFC, the, the previous promotion that Brady did fight for, in addition to Shogun fights, was very, very high on Brady. And they say that he's probably the best fighter to ever come out of CFFC. And if you think about some great fighters of Paul Felder and all that, you know, like that's, that's, uh, that's no joke to be saying that about uh, Brady. So I think that even at 9,300, he can exceed his, his salary and really outperform it. Um, you know, that I, I don't see a person in the 9,000 range that I would, I would like more like Grasso at 9,100 over Brady and no thanks. Um, Lamas at 9,200 should win, but can't compare or compete the same as way, you know, Brady can with significant strikes and takedowns. Ankalaev, I think it comes down to Ankalaev or Brady. Who do you like more? Um, 
the ceiling is higher for Ankalaev. Ooh. I don't know if I agree with that. I might say, ah, this is a push-up bet right here. I like this. I'm I a- just I just feel Sean Brady, it could be a 70-point performance. If it's a decision. He hasn't done it yet, though. He hasn't done it yet. I mean, he's performed really well in the UFC, um, and he's fought some top guys. Um, Look, I don't. I do not think he's going to get into a striking matchup with with Christian. I don't think so either. I, I think, think he's got. I think he's going to be looking to wrestle straight from from the start. By the way, be sure to hit that uh, the like button right here on YouTube. We really do appreciate it. Uh, let's let's go down our uh, straight picks on this one. Let's uh, let you go first. Okay. Um... I'm going to go Rakic, Magni, Grasso, Lamas, Ankalaev, Patolo, Cummings, Caceres, Brady, Viana, Cyphers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. I, I, I got to be bold. You know I'm bold. I'm not a safe type of guy. Like, All right. All right, I'm, I'm going to be bold right at the main event. Anthony Smith. Get out of here, bro. You really? Are you really? I think he gets a job. Get out of here. How? Please defend yourself right now. Right now take on camera. I think, I think he's going he's gonna to take Rackers to the ground. I think that'll be the game plan. I think he'll, All right, you ready? he'll, use, he'll use kicks to get the fight to the ground. All right, I'm going to throw out some stats at you and see if it changes your mind. 0.45 successful takedowns per 15 minutes for Anthony Smith. Still think he got, still think he does it. I, I think against, I think, I believe the game plan of Mark Montoya will be to get the fight to the ground Ooh. and use his jujitsu. Now that would be smart. Like, especially because you just took so much damage in your previous fight. Um, all right, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Neil Magny, Alexa Grasso, Lamas, Ankalaev. Uh, give me Impa, uh, Martin, Cummings, Ceres, uh, Viana, and Brady. Okay. 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 Uh, appreciate the, the uh, tip and donation, but uh, yeah, not going to. Fights are not rigged. Like, no, I, I'll tell you. Um, No, so so I'll just tell you, it's it just happens, man. It really does. Like you're bringing fatigue, you're bringing pressure, you're bringing mm-hmm. um, pain. Like a lot of, I mean, we try to be terminators as long as we can, but eventually, body shots, head strikes, they affect you and they take your toll, you know, a toll on you. So, um, and it all, you know, in MMA, it takes one mistake. It's not like any other sport because you can lose by so many different ways. So uh, to say that they're rigged, they may seem rigged of how crazy it is, but that's just how unpredictable the sport is. Yeah. Uh, we'll get some questions in before we get out of here. Ty, uh, it's not cash core cash studs on FanDuel. Um, studs, huh? Well, I think uh, Magni is interesting based on volume ankle live ankle lives. I love ankle live ankle live and Brady. Uh, I like those guys. Uh, 
Oh, let's see here. And then in reference to decisions being rigged, there are some bad decisions. Uh, I'll have to say that there are plenty of bad decisions. Yeah, look, it's judging is never going to be perfect. It doesn't. It just doesn't matter. I mean. Roma says, can't wait for Kutalab away and always exciting. Uh, yeah, that is, that is definitely one way to describe you in Um I was just watching the highlight of them all. The guy's going to get punched in the face one of these days at a weigh-in because somebody's not going to tolerate that. I'm telling you right up, right now. Like, what he does, one day it's just somebody's going to flip. It's kind of surprising it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's bad, right? Like, tell me if he does, like, I know it's it's completely different weight classes, but if he tries that with Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz slaps him right then and there. <laughs> yes. No, you're you're spot on. You're spot on. Um, Brady and Maki or Lawler and Rackage. Which platform? Doesn't does say. not say. Brady and Maki. Or Lawler and Rackage. Brady and Maki. Uh, Rhett, man, I, I love the comment. He says, if Lionheart wins, Pete gets to mow your lawn at 8 a.m. on a weekday. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Bro, I was, I was going to an early morning meeting. It was so my where I live, a lot of new houses are being built. Yeah. These guys were working at 7.15 in the morning. Yeah, bro. You, you got to get stuff done, Jason. I don't know what. Like, I stay up to like 4 o'clock every morning and, and like, you still got to get stuff done, bro. Man, do you have any consideration for the neighbors? Yeah, but the weekday is no big deal. Ooh, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Gotta do it. City work. No, no, it's contractor work. Hey, city work. It's a straight up contractor trying to build a home. True. You gotta go, man. And look at in their defense, the reason it happens early is because of the heat. Damn right. It's really hot here in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> really, really hot here in Florida. But uh let you know we will be back on Saturday, live before lock, 4 30 p.m. Eastern time. Get you ready for. UFC Vegas number six. Of course, be sure to uh, keep it locked here at awesome.com for all the shows we have coming up here. Uh, after this show gets done, I actually will be recording the early bird podcast for tomorrow's MLB action. Also, I'll be a part of the MLB strategy show and MLB live before lock tomorrow right here on awesome.com. Be sure to hit a subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you know exactly when we are live right here on the channel. So that's going to wrap it up for the UFC Vegas number eight DFS strategy show. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.